0: So I think at this, you can probably smell them both. I can. Yeah.
1: I think they smell lovely. Mm. Thank you.
0: So the one on the right is Alina's grandmother's, and uh, it, it looks pretty good. Do you guys want to have some? Mm. Or do you want to start with the more, like, traditional? Well, or they're both traditional. Different... Natural? Yeah. The more natural. So I don't want to rank <laughs> them anyway, but <laughs> the, uh, the one with the, the natural fruits. Right. Yeah versus the cheerful the, red and the green. Tri- yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. That's what I'm more used to seeing is
2: Melina's yes. grandmother's version. Yeah. I don't know, go for it, you guys. I, I uh, can't participate, so right. I'll just I will enjoy watching all of you.
1: You can't participate so that's why you should decide which one we go with. Mm-hmm. Alright,
2: I think I think go with Alice's first since she's our guest. Okay. Okay. All right. So this
3: is
0: a fruit cake aged for a couple of weeks that you see before you <laughs> <laughs> approximately what day of the week is it? So about a week and a half. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. All right.
0: Going in. Okay, I had this for lunch. You guys are looking, like, very, like... I love fruitcake, <laughs> okay, so good. I'm really
2: excited about
3: this. I,
1: I've actually never had this before. okay. Yeah.
0: Did you have just fruitcake for lunch? I was no. about to ask the exact same <laughs> question. No, I had fruitcake for lunch dessert. Okay. Yeah. Mm. That's some good cherries. Mm. hmm
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, Emily looks like she's actually enjoying herself despite herself. <laughs> <laughs> she's pleasantly surprised. Seems like a hearty thing from, mm-hmm. from watching you all munch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seems like the kind of thing that could keep someone alive for 72 hours. Yes. Mm-hmm. As it most recently did to a woman from Nova Scotia. burns. yeah. Yeah.
1: What a brave woman. Mm-hmm.
2: Kombucha. Yeah. Kombucha and fruitcake. Mm-hmm. The bread of life. Four and days. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now you can live off Guinness forever.
2: I don't, I don't know that I'd want to. Yeah. You can um, try it, though. Anyways. Oh, so, you can. So are you guys ready to go in for the second one? Round two. Okay, round two.
3: So this is a fruitcake that has been aged for a year, and it has been soaked in brandy. So this is the kind that I'm more familiar with in my family.
1: You could call so. it a 2017 vintage.
3: Mm. Mm. <laughs> it was a very good year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a great year for a fruitcake. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's
1: dive in. <laughs> Emily's voicing her concerns <laughs>
2: <laughs> She's whispering them I don't think she wants the them to be ones. caught
0: mm-hmm. So this one's a lot sweeter <laughs> And fruitier
1: It's very different, they're, they're two very different cakes
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's a breadth on show here A mm-hmm. uh,
2: breadth <laughs> Indeed oh. okay. You can really taste the brandy
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can get behind this brandy thing
2: mm. It's just a new way To consume brandy mm-hmm. In food form
0: Yeah, yeah mm very good. So you can tell that the flavors tend to um, amplify with storage and especially with the alcohol. So mine, you could taste the fruit, but you can also, it wasn't very strong in this one. It's a lot stronger, which I like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So does anybody have
2: a preference between the two or are, are we agreed that both are different, but good? Different
3: and delicious.
0: Nice. hmm Thank you, Alina's grandmother. And thank you to my grandmother thank <laughs> for your you recipes. to all of the nanas. Yes,
3: <laughs> we have the yes,
2: nanas every everywhere. <laughs> An important tradition being kept alive. Mm. And sometimes being kept alive for a year. Mm. By, Brandy. by Brandy. Also brought to you by Brandy. <laughs> and,
0: uh, and sometimes keeping people alive for four days in their car. It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Notice History, the podcast where we uncover the history all around us. As always, we're your hosts, Robin Mullins, Nick Bridges, and Keely McAvitt. And joining us this week for I guess round 2 yes. is our very special guest, fruitcake uh, expert extraordinaire, enthusiast of many things and senior associate at No History, Alice Glaze. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, this is great. This is really fun. <laughs> I think it it speaks to uh, to all of us. It warms our hearts that you would condescend to be among us again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not repulsed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> would recommend. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Fruitcake. Is this dessert the horror of the holidays, an omnipresent figure lurking in the shadows of your favorite Christmas movie, a timeless punchline for thousands every year? Or is fruitcake a delicious dessert that you can't wait to devour after Christmas dinner? Memories and nightmares aside, have you ever thought about the history of the humble fruitcake? This week, we dive into the holiday's most controversial treat.
2: Would you guys agree that it's the most controversial tweet, uh, treat?
3: Um, you always hear people making jokes about it, but I've always really liked fruitcake, so I've accepted that there are all these jokes, but I never really got it. So I think it comes up as a joke
2: a lot, but don't believe the hype, it's delicious. Yeah, see, I would think that it's the butt of many jokes. Like, mm. yeah. But more so than being not beloved.
1: I was surrounded by people growing up who hated it with a fiery passion. So mm. for me, it's extremely controversial to even find mm. people who liked it. I didn't mm. even know they existed.
2: I've definitely seen it at parties, but no one in my f- direct family has ever consumed it in my presence. <laughs> so. so like I, I've been places where it also has been, and I have seen it even like half eaten like I've seen a loaf that has only existed in portions not in whole but I don't know if I've actually watched a person
0: eat it before you've seen the evidence of it having been eaten yes I so I know
2: (laughs) I know it exists I know people do eat it I don't know if if I was you know having to swear on my life I don't know that I could name someone apart from just now when I watched all of you eat it I don't know if I could have named anyone in my life who I've seen needed it.
3: Up until now, it's all just been circumstantial evidence, which <laughs> would not hold up in court. Conjecture. So. It was all <laughs> conjecture.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, I think my family, like we grew up, at least in the, I don't know if it was like a, an every year tradition, but it was definitely around that grandma made fruitcake and, and my mom and I made fruitcake one year and my, my grandparents and I made fruitcake together one year, so... It's definitely part of the tradition. And so, yeah, like Keeley, I kind of knew that it was the butt of jokes and just sort of accepted that but had my own experience, my own private experience with fruitcake <laughs> <laughs> that, that I liked uh, and continued to have. I've never mm. uh, pushed fruitcake upon anyone. I am very <laughs> clear on that point. I am married to someone who does not like fruitcake, and that is fine. I have it in the fridge. I eat it when I want to. I share it with people who want to eat it, and that's my life, and I enjoy it.
3: Your journey is your own.
2: Yes. Yes. So, Alice, maybe you can tell us a bit about the history of this glorious fruitcake, since it's something that has been so close to your heart and to your life experience.
0: Sure. I mean, I... I really liked having the opportunity to do some of the research for this project, because despite knowing about it, I didn't know that much about the history of fruitcake, but it turns out that uh, people have been making something that could be qualified as fruitcake pretty much as long as we've had access to fruits and grains to mash together into a bread-like paste. Um. (laughs) And so dating the uh, the specific history origins of the fruitcake might be difficult, but uh, there's kind of a moment in the Middle Ages or kind of um, an emergence in the Re- Middle Ages in Europe when uh, dried fruits and spices became a bit more widely available because of the trade routes. Uh, to Asia, and uh, they started making things that we would identify as fruitcake. At that time, they were usually made, the binding in them was usually honey, and they would have at least some of the ingredients in terms of the dried fruit, nuts, and spices that we would see in fruitcakes today. And they became a lot more common after the 16th century when colonial uh, trade gave Europeans easier access to both sugar. And to a wider variety of fruits, so that's when you start seeing them being made with sugar. Um, different varieties of fruited bread product emerged based on different parts of Europe. So in Italy, you have the panforte. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And Germany, you have the stolen. There's also, um, in the kind of different types of fruitcake-like product, the quintessentially British plum pudding, which people may have heard of, or figgy pudding. Um, These are all kind of variations on the common and delicious theme. There are two main differences that I found out uh, between fruitcake and plum pudding. Before doing research for this, I was lumping them together into one delicious package. I'm just going to say delicious every time I refer to fruitcake.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And those... Those listeners who don't like fruitcake, by the end of this, you'll find mm. yourself craving some for yeah. some reason. When
0: when I said I didn't push it on anyone, I meant, like, consciously, but your subconscious is mine. <laughs> <laughs> don't play this recording backwards. You, you, won't,
2: you won't like where it goes. It's, it's all fruitcake
0: all the time. <laughs> anyway, the two main differences. Um, one is the fat that's used in the recipe. So uh, plum pudding uses suet traditionally, um, Fruitcake is usually made with butter. Can I just say you? Yeah.
1: No, suet's delicious. It's the key to so many pastries and other things. Isn't
2: that what birds eat?
0: It sure is.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and people can eat it, too.
2: Everyone can eat suet. <laughs> oh. So when I when I think of suet, I think of that episode of The Office where um, Dwight offers to give Pam and Jim's child some suet so that it can nurse and not cry anymore and i just remember pam's horrified look and that's that's how i feel so so the idea of that being in in plum pudding doesn't really endear plum pudding to me right
0: i will say that the one time that i made plum pudding uh we used butter and not suet my Mm. mother was amenable to finding suet and i was not so shocker (laughs) yeah i think you made the right call thank you no shade meant to be thrown on my mother she, huh. She's wonderful. But, <laughs> and, uh... and no shade on suet and suet lovers. It's just yeah. not for us. The second difference between fruitcake and plum pudding is the cooking method. So fruitcake is baked in an oven, and uh, plum pudding is boiled, which is very interesting. So my mother and I made uh, plum pudding one Christmas, I think maybe 2015, um, and it was a very interesting experiment. I found... The recipe online through I think the National Library of Scotland, and it was a recipe from 1791, uh, and so we use it to the best of our abilities, <laughs> trying to follow along. It was kind of an adventure, a Christmas adventure for us, and uh, and it was great. But the yeah boiled braisins uh, in in a kind of flowery substance. It was not. It was an interesting adventure to do, but not. Then we had like a two pound. Boiled pudding that no one wanted.
3: Is it like when you make dumplings, like I guess like European or like British style dumplings, where it's just dough basically, and then you just like flop it into water and it boils and turns into like a sponge, and then you eat it.
0: No, this is <laughs> okay. this is like <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was, this is what I'm imagining. No, not at like, all. Okay. This was, as far as I remember, it was like it was quite studded with raisins. Um, and so it was roughly the same uh, kind of, um, not frequency, but the ratio of raisins to, to flour as you would see in a fruitcake. Mm. Um, but you put that into a kind of steamer bath. You would oh. wrap it up in, and then steam it and boil it for a number of hours. Hours? hours yes.
1: And and if you'd like a good demonstration of how to do that and to watch other people do it, the Great British Bake Off has a whole episode on pudding in season eight.
2: Did any of the judges enjoy any of the puddings?
1: You know what? There are a lot of different puddings there, and they all looked fantastic.
2: (laughs) But they they also probably weren't using a 1791 recipe.
1: Uh, They also made one from the um, 18th century.
2: Nice. Yeah, I'm curious as to how accurately they, <laughs> it was they made that, it. It
1: was from Cambridge, and they actually had historians consult.
2: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the more you know. Yeah. Great British Bake Off. So fruitcake obviously hasn't been stuck the way that it was, or even the, the plum puddings the way that they were in 1791 or in the Middle Ages. Um, how have they? How has it evolved since then?
0: Yeah. So um, they've definitely evolved in kind of the 19th and early 20th century. Um, The Victorians added a lot of different boozes to their fruitcakes. There was always sort of an alcohol aspect of it to preserve it, but um, they sure got fancier and more fun in the Victorian era.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If they knew anything, they knew (laughs) boozing.
0: Yeah. And sidebar, I have a, a recipe book called Steam Drunk's, That is uh, Victorian drink recipes. If you ever want me back on the show, (laughs) we can try some. I will tell you, they pull no punches in terms of the alcohol content. It is very stiff. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so there was stuff like that. Also, when fruitcake became kind of part of the American South, uh, bakers would adapt it a little bit, and more things like pecans came into different kinds of nuts, would be brought into different recipes. So you start seeing kind of regional differences or differences across between the North American and European varieties. And, uh, yeah, it, it kind of would take on local flavors a bit, although the base ingredients are always ones that are pretty, quote-unquote, exotic for a North American or European audience. Um, so it was just kind of a in a time before chocolate and highly processed sugars became the basis for our Christmas treats. Fruitcakes were, were really considered this incredibly decadent and sweet uh, dessert that you could have. And in fact, there were laws restricting fruitcakes in parts of Europe because they were considered so decadent. It's too lovely and wonderful. Yeah.
1: They're, they're a danger to society. <laughs>
2: I think I'm going to stick with chocolate, you guys. <laughs> no, no offense to fruitcake, but uh, cho- chocolate's where it's at.
1: <laughs> the history of fruitcake is inextricably linked to the history of colonialism. and in its ingredients, nuts, sugar, figs, dates, spices, brandy, etc., all come from colonies in Asia, Africa, and the Americas. And its increase in popularity in Europe correlates with the early modern period into the 19th century, when those ingredients became cheaper due to transatlantic trade.
3: Sometimes, this connection between fruitcake and colonialism was made explicit, like in the recipe from 1927 for the, quote, Empire Christmas Pudding, end quote. The recipe is currently available online at Library and Archives Canada. The ingredient list for this recipe detailed which British colony from Australia to Zanzibar provided which ingredient. So bakers were literally stirring the empire together. Lord Meath of the Royal Colonial Institute called it, quote, a symbol of the unity of empire and an example to be copied in every household throughout the length and breadth of the British Empire, end quote.
1: Yeah, what's really interesting about that recipe is that it was published and disseminated by a group called the Empire Marketing Board, who, while didn't do a lot economically for the empire, they're sort of well known for their failures at that, uh, they really sold the concept of Empire regularly, and this fruitcake really ties into that um, that drive of theirs.
0: I will say this was going to be the fruitcake that I was going to, or I guess pudding, that I was going to make for this podcast episode, um, but it looked too weird. <laughs> <laughs> it involves a can of beer. <laughs> I was like, that's no fruitcake that I can identify. <laughs> Randy, sure. beer. Yeah, that seems like it's pushing it and you need to find something from England.
1: <laughs> you know who it wasn't weird enough for? George V. I
0: mean, fair. <laughs> so although
2: fruitcake has been a dessert staple for hundreds of years, it really has plummeted, no pun intended, in popularity in the later 20th century. And now, as we've mentioned before, um, it really is the butt of a lot of Christmas jokes. And, I mean, I've gotten through my entire life, up until this day, never seeing someone actually eat it. So <laughs> I, Today
1: was my first day eating it.
2: I, I just love it. I don't know what to say. In
3: halfway through the summer, Christmas is long over. It's all done. You open the crisper, and at the bottom of your fridge, wrapped in like a brandy-soaked dishcloth, there's the cake, and that's exactly what you were looking for in the fridge. It's still okay. You don't go to the hospital, and yeah. it tastes amazing. Yeah. I love it.
2: Facts. <laughs> <laughs> See, Keely, you're just part of the, the population that, that shows that people are very serious about their fruit cake. Yes, we are. Uh, which we have already seen <laughs> in droves uh, from both you and Alice. <laughs> very, very enthusiastic. Some might say <laughs> obsessed. Um, <laughs> not I. No. No. Potato potato. <laughs> Come on. But there are a lot of traditions surrounding fruitcakes, and I'm sure that we will inevitably hear from some of yours, you know. (laughs) I'm sure it's it's coming on its way. (laughs) But in the 1700s, a ceremonial fruitcake was sometimes made at the end of the nut harvest and preserved until the next nut harvest in hopes that it would bring a successful harvest. Um, Which, you know, is kind of... A part of that, those whole agricultural traditions that really surfaced in that time frame. There were all kinds of different ones, but I mean, this seems like a more exciting one than burning an effigy or something. Yeah, I, I like the idea of eating a cake the yeah. next year, and in hopes that it'll be a good, a good harvest of nuts.
0: There's also um, a kind of unspoken or sometimes spoken rule that uh, to use for fruit cake for personal use or for gifts. Um, There's a belief that you should make the Christmas fruitcake at least a month before Christmas to allow the flavors to settle and deepen. And I learned this uh, the hard way. I live two provinces away from my parents, and so I cannot make a Christmas fruitcake with my mom before Christmas. So we make it at Christmas, um, and we were making it in uh, the kind of communal kitchen area of her apartment, and someone came by and reprimanded us for being so tardy in our fruitcake making is to leave it until Christmas. Oh, no. And so we told them that, you know, this is why. But there are a lot of people out there who believe that you should do it. There's a um, kind of the four or five weeks before Christmas, at the beginning of the Advent season, that is the
1: fruitcake making season. That's peak fruitcake season. Yes. And I've also heard that you have to feed it regularly.
0: Yes. So you should um, poke holes in it or pour and/ or pour brandy over it uh, regularly. Um, some people do this a little bit every day. When I make fruitcake, we usually do it at the time that we make the fruit cake, and then I um, feed it a couple every couple months to keep it moist in, in the fridge.
2: You had mentioned that it's, it's kind of the week or around the time frame of Advent beginning. So we have Black Friday, but should we really rename
0: it as Fruitcake Friday? I would love that. Mm-hmm. I also saw uh, no history associate who may not want to be outed as a fruitcake-making person, so I will leave this <laughs> gender and name neutral, anonymized. But uh, they advertise a day as being Stir Up Sunday, as in the day that you stir up the fruitcake Or in this case, I think it was a Christmas pudding. But So there are um, days that are designated culturally to be the fruitcake-making day. And people tend to agree uh, that fruitcake is best preserved for about a year, that that's kind of the best time to have it as a year after you make it. Um, Minimum one month so you can enjoy it at Christmas, but also uh, last year's fruitcake if you can preserve a section of it for the next year. that's, That's good form. And I think that's
2: part of why it's gotten such a bad rap recently. And also, I mean, we even saw with Emily her hesitation to go for the older of the two fruitcakes just because it's not really acceptable anymore, except for maybe cheese and wine, to have something that is aged for a considerable length of time. It's just not really considered healthy or food safe, which obviously the alcohol soaking does make it so, but it's still... um, not something that our psyche is very comfortable with as much, yeah. but I remember reading as a child like historical fiction from the Elizabethan era because I was a really cool kid, and they would talk about you know having the cakes that had been made months earlier and you would just continue eating them, and that always horrified me, so you know it it just it shows the the way that culture has changed
0: and don't let this. Uh, stop you from being horrified by many aspects of Elizabethan cooking. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a great time. Yeah, they definitely uh, reused pie shells in a way that I find disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> you just scoop out, you eat the meat, and then you just put new meat inside it and you bake it again. It's older. Oh. Yeah.
1: Just shock and terror. They were
0: called coffins
1: <laughs> for a reason.
2: Yeah. It's where you'd end up if you ate that pie.
3: (laughs) And if you're like Alice and I, and you like fruitcake, you're on the right side of history, one might say. Um, Then you probably have, like, a sacred prized family fruitcake recipe. There was definitely some competitive banter around our office, the No History office, about whose grandma had the best fruitcake recipe, which necessitated the tasting that we already had at the beginning of the show, but... I will say that my grandma's is a (laughs) mess. You
2: have to say that. I have to. It's it's in
3: my contract.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Your your grandma didn't send us a fruitcake, though, Keely.
2: Oh, she's busy making other fruitcakes for other people. (laughs) But I do think that it's important to note that this episode, the popularity of people wanting to research on this episode rivaled Dungeons and Dragons those are the, really the only two that people have like in droves raced towards wanting to sign up for. we've almost had to turn people away because we just couldn't use all of the research in one episode. We're
3: knocking down the doors as trying it to is get
2: in. Yeah, as it is, Alice had to cut down significantly I think by 50 percent
0: yes, the research that was compiled, <laughs> there was so much love that went into this research and it was beautiful. I also think it's so funny that the two most researched, uh, most beloved researched uh, episodes are D&D and fruitcake.
3: It's all about comfort. It's yeah. the things that make your heart sing. we're
2: so geeky. <laughs> I know. What does that really say about No History's company culture? We all love the same things, yeah. and we love them hard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I was on the research team for both of those. So <laughs> there's, there's no shade thrown on that I, I wasn't going to throw you under that bus, but uh, yeah, I was yes. aware. <laughs> Um, So one offshoot of this, uh, this kind of competition between different no history associates about fruitcake was that one of our associates, um, Alina, uh, really ended up digging into the history of her grandma's fruitcake recipe. Her grandma came over from Scotland as a war bride and she wasn't really sure about the origins of that specific recipe. And, And her family had always assumed that it was Scottish and her grandma hadn't really talked about it. And, um she ended up conferring with a Scottish cousin and some other people in um, in the Maritimes who she's related to, and trying to figure out exactly where this recipe came from and They found out that um, from the Scottish cousin that it really seemed like there was more of a North American influence based on the ingredients. Um, some of the things like pecans were very expensive and weren't introduced to Scottish. Uh, Recipes until later, and Alina really got into this kind of very personal history while researching the more global history of fruitcake. So that was really interesting.
2: Which really makes fruitcake a cultural touchstone for a lot of people, not just for Alina, but I mean, there are these recipes that have been handed down for so long um, that it really becomes... You know, very precious to a lot of people, and it, it's wrapped up in this identity and um, this sense of just your history and, and who you are and how you spend time together. It's more than just tradition, it's it's identity and, and culture and tradition. Mm-hmm.
1: So, clearly, fruitcake is a, a genuine cultural touchstone that means a lot to so many individuals, but it's also enmeshed itself into literature and history more widely. Various authors have either lovingly or not so lovingly, written about fruitcake.
3: Truman Capote has a story called A Christmas Memory, where the young narrator's cousin exclaims, it's fruitcake weather, and they proceed to bake a fruitcake for President Roosevelt.
2: And buckle up, because we're about to go on a ride with Nick into the depths of George Orwell.
1: (laughs) Yes, that's right. George Orwell was a massive fan of Christmas pudding and British baking in general, saying, quote, There is a whole host of delicacies which it is quite impossible to obtain outside the English-speaking countries, a list of puddings that would be indeterminable if I gave it in full. I will pick out for special mention Christmas pudding, treacle tart, and apple dumplings. End quote.
2: (laughs) Whereas, you know, more from my experience of fruitcake, we have the other end of the spectrum... That of the people who are not so loving towards fruitcake. Um, We have the TV comedian Johnny Carson who said, The worst gift is fruitcake. There's only one fruitcake in the entire world, and people keep sending it to each other. And I have to say, knowing now that it is often – that it is a year old or even older sometimes, Mm -hmm. I suppose – That does not seem inaccurate.
3: Oh, it's totally possible. And there, you will have like a loaf of fruitcake in your fridge forever. And by the time the next Christmas rolls around, you can dress it up all fancy and put it on a plate like it's brand new and no one's all the wiser. You can bring it over to your neighbor's place. You can bring it to
2: your cousin's. It's the best. But I'm the wiser. And so is Johnny Carson. (laughs) Well, they weren't, I wasn't bringing
3: them like Johnny Carson. Christmas
2: cake. (laughs) I'm just saying, those of us who don't like fruitcake, that's why. Because we know your secret. We know.
1: (laughs) What what I've gathered from this is that fruitcakes are basically houseplants. As long as you're feeding them, they'll stay alive.
0: Exactly. Hmm. Magic. (laughs) (laughs) There's also some uh, references to Christmas puddings and other fruitcake-like things in um, some big blockbuster historical dramas like Downton Abbey. Uh, I once entered a sweepstakes for Downton Abbey and my prize was getting a signed copy of Mrs. Patmore's Christmas Pudding Recipe. That's amazing. You actually won? That's awesome. I think it was the, like, prize that you, quote-unquote prize you got if you didn't win the thing you actually were going for, which was, like, a trip, a guided tour to Highclere. I think yours is still good. It was fine. Knowing it was your interests, it's fine. I was happy. Yeah. You weren't disappointed. It was weird that it was signed Mrs. Patmore and not the name of the actress. Like, they, like, really pretended <laughs> that a historical, like, a fictional historical figure had signed this recipe. And I was like, I'm, I'd be happy to have the actress's autograph because that's actually useful. <laughs> But anyway, uh, there's that. There's also um, Dundee Cake, which is a Scottish-specific fruitcake, which was mentioned in Outlander, uh, specifically in the book Drums of Autumn. And it's a specific kind of fruitcake with fruits, uh, marmalade, whiskey, and it's topped with blanched almonds in a kind of concentric circle design. Um, and so that was a, another kind of specific to a region um, type of fruitcake that that came about in the 17th century. It was popularized in the 18th century um, as well. See, that one actually sounds
2: interesting to me. I like marmalade, and that mm-hmm. seems like it would give it a nice a nice texture.
0: Yeah, I think it, it has a lot of like citrus peel um, in it, and it looked. I heard about it after I'd made my fruitcake, and I was too exhausted to try to make another one. But I think <laughs> maybe next year I might make a Dundee cake. I think that would be nice. Nice.
1: Fun fact, the UK is currently trying to get a protected geographical indication for Dundee Cake to ensure that the recipe stays true to its roots. How about that for being a cultural touchstone?
3: Another fun fact about fruit cake is that they were traditionally used as wedding cake there's also a tradition that couples would keep the top slice of their wedding cake, or wedding fruit cake, to enjoy the christening of their first child, and you best believe it's going to last that long.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially if you're feeding it. Exactly. So many things to feed. Children, cakes, plants, so, ma- so well, much. Well, see, that's why you eat the slice at the christening of your first child, because then you're saying, I'm no longer feeding this, I will now feed the child. Exactly.
0: It's a transfer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's witchcraft. <laughs> Um, They were also uh, specifically associated with uh, British royal weddings, in part because the ingredients were so decadent and expensive um, pretty much until today, until the later uh, 20th century. And even now, like, figs are not cheap. The ingredients for my fruitcake cost me about $50. And I think, Alina, we were saying that a, a full, like, I made a half recipe and it cost $50, so a full would cost upwards of $100 in nuts and fruit, Um, and spices they were always a very expensive dessert but they also used fruitcake for royal wedding cakes because royal wedding cakes take so long to decorate and so they needed a cake that would last the decorating the weeks or maybe months of decorating that it would take and so fruitcake was a good choice how many people are decorating these cakes I don't know. Maybe it
2: one person who's half-heartedly going at it, like, half an hour a week. I put, I put on
0: a new, um, like, sugar flower. I'm calling it a day. That was too much. Well, I think one of the – I don't remember which queen it was. It might have been Queen Elizabeth, um, or either that or it was her mother. That She had an eight-story or eight-layer fruitcake for her wedding cake. So that I mean that's, that's that's a high tower of fruit cake that has to be decorated. I know, but you just bring in eight people. Each each layer
2: gets a person and you're done in one day. Like like Lego. You,
1: you know what I think what happened every time the cook fed the cake with a shot of brandy. He said one for the cook, one for me, one for the <laughs> cake, one for me.
2: That could slow things down, that's true. But slices of royal wedding cake were also often sort of saved and even auctioned off for charity. So, I mean there's a lot that goes into this. Um so a slice of wedding cake from Charles and Diana's wedding was actually sold off in 2015 for $1,350, so $1,350. And a now 37-year-old slice is still completely safe for consumption, although I would, I would beg to differ. <laughs>
3: it's expensive because it's an investment. It's like having an investment property. <laughs> yeah.
2: like. Does the person who bought it still mm. have to feed it? Because that's mm. a cost
0: that they should have thought about yeah that definitely i mean it's just you just feed it a little bit it's not like a whole bottle of brandy so it's fine it works
1: i mean if you're spending uh 1300 on a slice of fruitcake i think you got money to throw around <laughs> i don't think it's <laughs> the last the, your, your main concern
0: another fun fact about fruitcake is that it has been to space um, a vacuum-packed piece of fruitcake was taken on the apollo 11 mission i was not eaten uh, and so it was given which <laughs> oh it wasn't was it surprise Look, <laughs> you're surprised we don't know why it wasn't eaten
3: I'm sure yeah. they had a very good reason
0: <laughs> yeah we can guess <laughs> and so it was given to the Smithsonian after the mission ended um, and so we, yeah we don't know it might have been that they didn't like the fruitcake or maybe it just they just missed their own grandma's fruitcake Mm -hmm. and they didn't want to trade something that was like second best so anyway it's at the smithsonian if anyone wants to see it
1: january 3rd is fruitcake toss day in manitou springs colorado you can go to the annual fruitcake toss competition where you can rent a fruitcake (laughs) if you didn't happen to bring and make your own a year in advance Um, it's been going on since 1994, and fruitcakes can be hurled, tossed, or launched by a pneumatic device, which I assume is something like a trebuchet. Mm,
0: it's like a potato gun. Yeah, I think it's. i like was a thinking gun. of a potato gun. Maybe yeah, potato gun. Yeah. yeah. But a fruitcake trebuchet <laughs> would be amazing. <laughs> a holiday staple. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, really, what we've learned today is, above all else, is that fruitcake is just really good at being preserved. The Australian War Memorial Collection contains a 97-year-old slice of fruitcake stored in a soapbox. So, I mean, 97 years old. That's pretty impressive. And it's still going. So it's only going to get older. Think of the things oh. that fruitcake has seen,
1: lived through, It's experience. lived through
2: world wars.
3: What a rich history
0: in that fruitcake.
1: That fruitcake remembers the Great Emu War. Yeah.
0: And there's also a slightly older fruitcake as well out there in the world. There was a 100-year-old fruitcake that was recently found in Antarctica.
2: What was it doing
0: there? Being preserved. (laughs) Chilling. Chilling. It was chilling.
2: But was it, like, they didn't just, they weren't walking around following penguins and then found this fruitcake. Like, it was being housed.
0: Have you ever seen the movie The Thing? (laughs) That's what I'm imagining. But it's a fruitcake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they found it, I think, among some other, like, effects from an ex- exploration. There there was fruitcake. I don't know.
1: So whether you're like Alice or Keely or George Orwell and you love fruitcake and you love pudding or you hate it, you absolutely despise everything that it's about and you think it's gross, I think we can all agree that fruitcake has a rich, deep history, much like its flavors. Tracing back to the histories of commodities in Europe, to growing colonial empires, and to just our average Christmas traditions, it truly is a cultural touchstone for all of us in some way.
2: The Notice History is a No History podcast. We are produced by Emily Cuggy and myself, Robin Mullins. This week's researchers were Alice Glaze, Nick Bridges, Nick Johnston, Beth Solace, Sarah Wilmshurst, and Alina Hill. With audio mixing done by Emily Cuggy. For more information about the topics we covered today, check out our blog at nohistoryca slash podcast. We may even have some family recipes that will be up there as well. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at podcast at nohistory.ca or you can always find us on social media at Notice History. If you've been making a fruitcake this holiday, we would love to see yours and we'd love to know what your recipe is maybe we can try making it ourselves, unless it costs upwards of $100. I draw the line at $100 for a fruitcake. I say it's worth it. (laughs) It's an investment. If you like what you hear, tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.